From a neighborhood on the outskirts of Baltimore City, USA, this is For Your Infotainment. And to complicate matters further, here's our host, John Walker. Thanks, Ronald. <laughs> so how awkward was that, having to announce me like that? It was interesting. I gotta it say, was... it was awkward having someone announce me. Well, uh, that just means you're special. It does make me feel special, but it also, re- I realize it works perfectly with the topic of this episode of For Your Infotainment, which is a brand new podcast. Oh, wow. So th- This is the first episode. Congratulations. But I really just called the show For Your Infotainment because I, I realized putting my name, like, y- you might call it like the John Walker show. Mm-hmm. But I realized putting your name on a show that could turn out to be horrible is probably a bad idea. Uh, like, you don't want it to be called a real shit show with Ronald James, <laughs> you know? I like it. It has a nice punch to it. Yeah. For your infotainment. And for your infotainment. You know, I've discovered this is a new word on the internet. Like, oh, I, wow. I, I, all this stuff is, was available. You know, everything was available. Like, the dot the, com, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Twitter, oh, you know, man. Gmail, so all that stuff. You're coining phrases. They say that nothing under the sun's new, but this, this is a new term. This is a new podcast. Yeah. And a new term. <laughs> it's, it's double. So it's also on a network. I'll just mention up top that this is on the Second Course Media Podcast Network. So I want to thank Jamie who runs the network, for uh, for taking a chance on this very nebulous concept. Mm. I basically said it's going to be a show with segments about topics. And he said, oh, what kind of topics? And I said, oh, things I find interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I hope that uh, people are listening to this and enjoying. It will be sort of a free-ranging uh, conversation. Sometimes it'll be funny. Hopefully it'll be funny. Mm-hmm. Other times it might not be so funny, but it'll be interesting. And other times it might be, I don't know, something else. Maybe something stirring. Maybe something... Uh, Really worthwhile, the humanity will come out of this. Show. I feel like you've, you've outlined this in the vaguest terms ever. I know, but but I think that excites people. Well, I will say it even more vague. The first episode, the topic is simply embarrassment. Oh man, so embarrassment. That's, yeah, that's what we're here to talk about today. And I was going to say to you, you're a guy I know who you know you 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 crack wise. You're always making jokes. You're always you're always hanging out on the sidelines, kind of making observations. It seems like you would have an acute sense of times when you have overstepped your bounds and become the uh not the 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 joker but the subject of the joke do do you have a what kind of relationship do you have with that idea of just getting embarrassed do you embarrass easily i do you do contrary to popular belief i i do embarrass pretty easily but but what i figured out is this the key to all of this is i'm in a perpetual state of embarrassment (laughs) so like it's like I'm, i'm like the hulk you know when they ask the hulk how does he suddenly turn into the hulk how does he control his anger yeah how does he control his anger he stays angry it's the same thing i stay embarrassed which (laughs) gives me this sort of license to you know crack wise whenever i want to but it is it's a weird i i am literally everything makes me uncomfortable yeah but it's only it's only because like i'm always overanalyzing things i think that's interesting because to me um see right there interesting we're already interesting (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, but to me that that idea of okay, I'm going to be embarrassed and I'm going to maybe look back later and realize that I'm only embarrassed because I thought too hard about what other people might think. And you can't control that, so you you don't ever know if that was worthwhile. But then there's those times when you know, if you think back on it, that you had every reason to feel embarrassed and that anybody that knows you should be ashamed of you and that you should probably just like go into hiding for a little while or something like that. (laughs) Embarrassment is a good thing. I think the good things come out of it. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it's good to be, if someone who's never embarrassed is probably a raging asshole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the coolest people in the world often, that is why they act the way that they do. It's, mm-hmm. it's to prevent these sort of things that they can't control. But I'm, I'm sort of comfortable in the not being able to control that. That, that, is, that is control. Being mm-hmm. able to shift something in the midst of the embarrassment is what makes 
people pretty amazing. <laughs> well, that's actually a great intro to the segment that we're about to hear. It's a segment I um, sat down with my friends Jonathan Eaton and Becca Weininger to talk about this idea of like embarrassing moments from your past and moments like whether you should be ashamed or whether you should not be ashamed. Huh. And we had some specific examples and specific things to talk about that came to us all when we thought of like a time when we probably should be embarrassed, but who knows, maybe not. So, mm. so that's what this uh, next segment is. Uh, just to let you know a little bit about Jonathan and Becca, he's a cartoonist and she's an editor, and they make movies and comics and she knits and they have cats and everything's great they sound like an interesting <laughs> tandem yes they are oh man. there's that word interesting again Inter- <laughs> we're just knocking it out of the park anyway here's jonathan and becca and a little conversation about embarrassing moments do you think you embarrass easily yes you do yes. you do so and i don't easily which is why that's I feel why like- it's like it happens so often it's just like raindrops falling off of me <laughs> like, are you recording already yeah i'm already see how seamlessly we got into Jeez. that um well now i'm embarrassed because <laughs> i good. just ruined your podcast yeah. um i think well it's funny because i have two older brothers one of them is seven years older and one of them is 11 years older and so they so growing up i, I developed a defensive defense mechanism um, def- that's dumb. A defense mechanism, <laughs> but I get defensive when I shouldn't get defensive because I spent a lot of years getting made fun of by my brothers. So when I was younger, I definitely, uh, I think the thing that got to me the most was being made fun of. And it happened by my brothers, but like it happened in school a little bit. And so I think like if I had to dig really deep down and like get to the heart of what embarrasses me. Mm-hmm. I get embarrassed when I think I'm look uh, when I'm when I think that I like look stupid to someone else or like when when uh, not like I think when when like I think someone could make fun of me for something. So it I feel like it doesn't happen that much anymore because I'm I'm 30 now and I'm not a, a child. So I've <laughs> developed like the ability to not care what most people think. Um, but there are still, like, you know, those moments where you're, where you're just like, that was stupid. That just sounds stupid. Everyone thinks I'm dumb. So that's, I, I think that's probably the, that's like the thing that causes me to be embarrassed, I guess. To me, it's like, I have this combination. I, I, I think I fit the description of someone who doesn't care what people think. Mm-hmm. But I also have this weird, like, yearning to be understood mm-hmm. that leaves me at times realizing that it's like, so I'm like driven to totally not care what people think. And then at the last minute, really hope that people understand yeah. me you know <laughs> and i think that that results in a lot of my embarrassment is when mm. i realized like oh that night when i was talking about that topic i don't know if anyone else confessed as much about themselves or whatever yeah. where it's like i've or i i don't know if anyone else got as into that moment as i was into it and I'll, it's kind of what you're saying a sort of private little feeling of mm-hmm. okay i'm I, i'm ridiculous and everyone everyone can see that i'm ridiculous well the last time something mild like just that happened was at work and i was getting hot water for my oatmeal and Mm -hmm. someone else came in the kitchen that I work with who I like um but they came come in and I'm just like oh no a person and I get really scared I'm like oh you have oatmeal too and he was like yeah and I was like yeah I love oatmeal what kind is yours and he told me and I didn't register it because I'm just like panic panic there's a human in the room I'm just like oh yeah I could eat oatmeal all the time and not get sick of it and then I was like I'm talking about oatmeal for a really long time this isn't interesting and then I was just like okay bye and I just like I walk away thinking like I hate myself why did I talk about oatmeal for too long 
But I'm like, me being weird at the end of that conversation was probably a million times worse than just me talking about oatmeal. But it's just, I know it doesn't even sound like a thing, but so... See, the thing is, I would be so willing to throw down and have a detailed discussion of oatmeal that I wonder, like, if that's part of it. Because what you just said actually rings very true to me, that feeling of... Oh wait, I'm the only one that cares that much about this yeah. thing that we all seem to care about two seconds ago. But now yeah. I'm realizing, you... like you're pulling away from this oatmeal conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like I know mine. Mine stems from social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like I've finally come to terms with that in the last couple years. Yeah. Like my embarrassment is completely born out of social anxiety. Mm-hmm. It like when I'm at work, we have these long hallways and it's it's like torture. I will go out of my way. I will change my gate on a <laughs> daily basis to like try to avoid being I'm picturing you doing like money python style silly <laughs> yeah. walks. <down> the hall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will walk so slow. I will or fast. I, I'll to just avoid having to have a social interaction with someone that I like. So what if, what if there's another talking to? What if there's another person who's like really likes you and wants to mm. talk to you and has noticed? Well, she walks really slow, but you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna walk slow too. That would be my nightmare. <laughs> just, just so I can talk to her, that would be and my then nightmare. you notice the next day she would walks you just, slower, and so just, you walk slower. And you say, so like "Are a, you just screaming <laughs> yeah. while that's happening?" I, it's an arms race of you guys walking slower and slower until yeah. the point where the two of you just get down <laughs> a hallway just look like and, turtles, yeah, yeah just improving imperceptibly. It's like hi again. Yeah. I have a really quick one that okay. I don't even know if it qualifies because it was because it happened and I was embarrassed by it, but like immediately just thought like I have to tell somebody about this because it was it because it, it it it's one of those things that feels like it doesn't actually happen to anyone outside of like a TV show. Yeah, and it's very small, so it's not even like that impressive. I was driving and at a stoplight, and so I drive a stick shift and my foot on the uh, brake and my other foot off the clutch, and my foot itched. So I bent down to scratch my foot, and as I'm scratching it, my foot slipped off the uh, brake. Is that how this works? My foot slipped off the brake. My car is stalled, jumped forward. Well, your forward. foot would have to be on the clutch. My foot was on stall. the clutch? Yeah, 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 yeah. My foot's mm-hmm. on the clutch and the brake, right? Which is yeah. it, Jonathan? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know how, what do you, like, with the, do you drive stick? You can't. You, when I was teaching you how to drive stick, yeah. I was like, "How does this work?" It's mu- yeah, it's muscle. It's, it's memory. like yeah, it's yeah. It's I'm the only memory. man who grew up in the South who doesn't know how to drive a stick, uh, never has gone hunting, and doesn't care about football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my car is in first, right? It's not neutral. If it was neutral, wouldn't, wouldn't have to have my foot in the clutch. <laughs> All right, <laughs> story's back on track. Uh, car is in first, feet are on clutch and brake. I go down to scratch my foot. My foot slips off the clutch. My car stalls jumps forward, I smack my face into my steering wheel and honks my horn. It's in the middle of traffic. <laughs> so I st- then I have to like compose myself and start my car back up and then like go like nothing happened. And uh, so it was, I don't know, it was embarrassing, but then like, it was, it was funny. It was funnier than it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I have to tell everyone about this. As so... In- so did people around you see your car kind of lurch forward a little bit, and then the horn honk, and then you... that like That's where my embarrassment comes from, because yeah. I didn't even they, look. Oh. I just, they like, I, definitely would have. They would have, <laughs> they and definitely I, would I have. definitely just went like, nothing happened, <laughs> everything's fine and normal, drive, <laughs> don't look, 
<laughs> left or right, it doesn't matter. No one saw this happen. There Actually, was a weird period of time where you kept trying to get out of your car without taking off your seatbelt first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it that was happening. weird. It happening. It was like right <laughs> after we met, like, and then it ha- really hasn't happened it, since. It happened for like a like, month. Turn off car, open door. <laughs> I have another embarrassing car stall story, which is more embarrassing than that one, I think. Yeah, no, way more embarrassing. Uh... Uh, I, I, okay, this is years ago, I was working with my brother Jason at his old job, Landmarks, it was an advertising agency in Annapolis, and Mm -hmm. so what we did is we made these little stupid books that went in hotel lobbies, and so when you go to, like, Charlotte, North Carolina, there's a thing that says, Landmarks of Charlotte, and you open it up, and it's like, what you can do in town? Mm -hmm. So it's this place based out of Annapolis, and so they make these books for, for everything in, like, Maryland and Pennsylvania and whatever. I went to work when I was an intern there for a summer. And I went to work one day, and the boss, who was this like, like fifties super alcoholic guy, red faced all the time, um, was like, "Hey, Jonathan, I got a job for you today. Uh, we delivered uh, the, they they delivered our books wrong. So they they delivered books for the Marriott to the um, name another hotel." Hilton. 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 They delivered the books from the Marriott to the Hilton, the Hilton to the Marriott in Pennsylvania. So I need you to drive up to Pennsylvania, go to the Hilton, pick up all the Marriott books, drive over to the Marriott, drop off their books, pick up the Hilton books, go back to the Hilton, drop them off, come back down. It's going to take all day. Like, Mm -hmm. it's going to take eight straight hours. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't follow that. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. Um, I definitely do know. (laughs) Here's what you need to know. I spotted two objects in this room that I own. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. What are they? That seat cushion. Hey. And those tweezers. Ah, hey! Yeah. <laughs> this is when I was like uh, 19. I was driving a 1981 Volkswagen Scirocco. Mm-hmm. It was a piece of shit. I loved that car, but it was a piece of shit. And he was like, you need to drive to Pennsylvania. And I was like, I no. This car will not make it to Pennsylvania. I cannot drive this car to Pennsylvania. This car is older than I am, literally. Mm-hmm. So he gave me his car, his keys to his car, which was like a Mercedes or something. It was like a really fancy, nice, nice brand new car. So I had to take his car. And uh, I had never driven on a highway before (laughs) by myself. So I was driving on highways to a different state by myself in my boss's, like, $80,000 car. I don't even know, like, how much it cost. It was, like, an expensive car. So it was a very nerve-wracking experience. In Pennsylvania, I ran into some traffic. And I'm, I'm sitting in traffic... And I think it was like an, yeah, it was an automatic because I wasn't like super used to it. I'm sitting in traffic and I'm just like looking around and I look over and I just see like a cute girl in a car <laughs> like near me. And so as I'm looking, I'm just staring at a girl. I like slip my foot off the thing and I, my car goes forward and I don't realize we're still in traffic and I hit the car in front of me. <laughs> and it was just one of the lightest little like bump, but like my heart stopped. Of course. And, like, just a million things flashed through my head about how I'm going to die or get fired or something horrible is going to happen. But, like, the, it was, like, a weird split second because the car in front, like, I could tell, like, should I get out? <sighs> nah, it's, it's probably fine. And so, like, no <laughs> one did anything. No one acknowledged that, like, a thing happened. But it was, like, it was it was total 100% like mortification that this thing had happened. And I'm just thinking, like... Oh, if I if I dented their car and like now insurance goes up and like it's because I was looking at a girl in a different <laughs> car like that's weird and stupid. Ugh, it would have it would have been terrible for me. 
You're like a character in an 80s comedy. I don't know if you want to go. I know you said you had one that you thought I of. I do have one. Do you want to go now? I can go now. Okay. Mine was also a kind of no con- no direct consequences in that I basically made sure not to see if anyone noticed that uh-huh. it had happened. <laughs> um, it was my freshman year of college, and I had been single for probably not very long because I had just broken up with my high school boyfriend and there was a guy in one of my classes that I thought was cute and we'd never spoken at all but we'd been in the same class for a little bit I was like oh, he'll know who I am we were in the like little cafe area at Towson um and like he was just like standing there I was like oh I need to walk past there and I was like, oh, uh, oh, oh, I don't know how to flirt with people. I'll, uh, <laughs> I you, I'll revert to being. I love that you actually thought that. Your brain actually like, formed the sentence. I just like get up with intentions. I'm like, oh, whoa, I, ha- I have no idea how to do this. I'll just pretend I'm in kindergarten. So I like I playfully shoved him <laughs> harder than I intended, thinking he'll turn around and we'll be like, oh, hey, haha. It was funny that <laughs> you pretended to shove me. Um. He kept walking <laughs> in the uh, direction he was originally walking. Oh, no. And I was just there as a person who had just shoved another person. Oh, God. Silently with no interaction between us. I'm just like, what could the people who saw that happen that weren't him? Right. Because he just kept going. Yeah. What could he, they have He felt it. He didn't happened? see it. Yeah. And I'm just like, what did he think that someone hates him mm-hmm. and shoved him? And he was like, I don't care enough. I'm just going to keep going. Time. He just got shoved and kept walking. Oh, my God. Is and it... I was just standing there. His like, thought process well. was like, well, Sherman, there they go again, <laughs> shoving you. Just ignore them this time. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the thing that you said you never told me yeah. about? Oh, my God. That's good. It, yeah. Oh so I feel like God. enough of a story to, or I don't think it ever came up. So did you sense, I mean, were there people <sighs> right behind it you? It was on very a... crowded. Okay. So do you think anyone, because I find a lot of times mm-hmm. in a crowd situation like that, the only way you look like you just did something is if you stop and look around you know what yeah. I mean that people aren't going to really notice so maybe he just thought someone lost their balance yeah. for a moment and steadied themselves that against was the him hope. Or, yeah. that was my yeah. hope was I don't I honestly looking I back on it I don't know how he could have thought that that was not an intentional shove yeah. one intention you know or the other it had to be an intentional shove. I don't know how he just kept going. That's so And strange. then left me with, like, the person that just shoved a person. That's so weird. Maybe he's so popular that he's he's getting, like, he these, gets these affectionate all shoves all the time. Like, oh, yeah. some, yeah. some lady shoved me again. <laughs> these I'll modern girls, they don't know what to say. You'll kill them. I'll kill them. Uh, well, if we hadn't spoken before that, we definitely never spoke after <laughs> Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> like, nope, not trying again. Oh, jeez. Hey, I'm that girl that shoved you. You didn't know I was a girl, but you felt somebody shove you. Yeah. A I, loving, sort of playful kind of uh, I feel like I have so many, like, em- embarrassing, awkward moments with girls from my, like, formative college-ish uh, yeah. years. But, like, but the, I, it's funny because I feel like those are the ones that are the ones that I just, like, blocked out. Like, well, yeah. nope, just move on, well, man. I, hadn't, I mean, I hadn't thought about that in so long. Yeah. I don't know how it popped back up in there. Well, a friend of mine was pointing out that... um on uh, OkCupid, okay where they ask, one of the questions they ask is like, what's the most embarrassing story that you'll share or whatever? Yeah. And he said that so many people will answer, I'm not saying, 
And it's like, well, the point is, what's the most embarrassing story that you'll that you'll, that you'll tell? We're yeah. not expecting you to tell something that actually like makes you feel uncomfortable. Well, yeah. I like killed a man once, but like what you're saying, yeah. And when you get, there's so many. When I was thinking about this, there were so many things that I was just like, yeah. Oh wait, that won't be fun for anyone. That won't yeah. be fun for me to reveal. That yeah. won't be fun for anyone to listen to, or you know, to hear it described. I mean, we mm. could do the. Uh, I, after dark version where every one of the stories is some kind of yeah. romantic mishap but yeah there's a lot of moments that are just I asked a girl to make out with me one time or she oh, wanted yeah. to make out with me one time and she politely declined and that was pretty <laughs> awful <laughs> I, that was one of those moments where afterwards I'm like well life goes on I'm gonna have to just bury this one deep down inside and... I had someone ask me to make out with him once oh, and what? I declined <laughs> It wasn't me, was it? It definitely wasn't you. He seriously said, "Do you want to meet me on the porch?" Like I'm, I'm pulling up now. Do you want to meet me on the porch and make out? And I was like, "No, thank you." Like, no, I don't want <laughs> no, to. Like, like no, you. I don't want to. No. I, like, I just don't want to. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then he pulled up, and he was so drunk he couldn't parallel park his car. So I went outside to park his car for him while the uh, neighbors watched because they were concerned that a drunk person was going to yeah. hit hit all their cars. Uh, understandable. And then later he threw up on the porch. Where he wanted to so make out with you. So that could have been his embarrassing yeah. story if yeah, he was here. True. Yeah, he can just tell it through my eyes. You have lots of embarrassing stories. They're just not yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I tell the oatmeal story, and no one yeah. thinks that's embarrassing. And See, it's I'm... like mine are so insignificant to most people that it's not a story. But like you say that you are being awkward. Yeah. I'm sure it just, you know, to another person's point of view, you were yeah. being completely normal. You're and just... to me, it's like all the lights went down except the spotlight yeah. on me just going, oatmeal, oatmeal, Because I'm just thinking, like, because, you know, uh, like, okay, so for the opposite in that yeah. regard, like, I'm Would you like of... to take my survey about oatmeal and hear my dissertation about oatmeal? I'm oatmeal, thinking of oatmeal. the way, like, I perceive those kinds of situations that it's just like, someone says something about oatmeal, and then they say bye, and I'm like, okay, bye. I'm so unobservant, and I don't put, like, two cents into most interactions like that so to it's like to a person like me those interactions are are pretty just surface based like yeah. i have an interaction and then it's over and then i'm not like if i'm having an interaction with someone like like you like someone mm. with social anxiety or something like afterwards you're analyzing it and you're For like really god what did i do wrong what should i have said what could i have and done then, like, differently i go off and i'm just like Oh, remember that song, My Baby Takes the Morning Train? Like, my just, my brain will just go in a different direction. Like, I don't think about that at all. I don't ever think, like, that was a weird interaction. Unless it was a genuinely weird interaction. But that's that's not, like, an interaction I have with you. That's an interaction I have with, like, a crazy person. Well, I, that actually kind of dovetails with um, one that I was going to mention, which is, and this, because this has got a couple of different phases to it, but... Because it, it, I had the embarrassing moment, and I had the th- awkward moment that was created by me, and then there was the festering inside the awkward moment, where yeah. everyone can yeah. tell that you're festering in it. And I think this goes back to what I said earlier about kind of wanting to believe that I'm a person that doesn't care. In some situations, I can find a sort of, eh, you know, weirdness. Yeah. You know, like, okay, my pants just fell off. Well, now I'm hanging out in my underwear. I hope people can handle this. Um <laughs> But uh, I, so I was at a poetry reading, and right there, Ugh, that's I'm like, you, yeah. You, yeah, I'm like, you lost me already. <laughs> but it was a group of friends that I met at this poetry reading, and I remember I felt bad because it was a group of friends that went to, there to support a friend whose group was putting on the poetry reading. But really, we went and stood in the back and talked too loud and got too drunk, and probably everyone was like, "Who are those assholes?" It's like that sounds exactly we did that like at a wedding one. They're all Melissa's. We friends. did that at a stand-up very recently. <laughs> oh well, that show sucked. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like it was worse when we did it at the wedding because 
The groom oh. came over to say, you know, you guys are the only ones standing at the bar. Everyone else is eating dinner. Yeah, we got way too drunk at that Whoops. wedding. Yeah, but, but you anyway. know what? You got an open bar at your wedding. Yeah. So what do you expect? It was not an that open bar. That your parents go, who are those people? It who was a cash awful, bar. awful, awful people. <laughs> yeah. It was a cash bar. Yeah. Oh, well, that sucks. it all got turned around when every one of my family members said, who was that guy? And it was that guy. <laughs> at our wedding. Oh, yeah. that's right. Do you think it was revenge? Oh, shit. No. No, it's just the way the world works. It's just the way that he is. Just the the crazy world. (laughs) So outside the poetry reading, we go outside and it's like you can have your drink out on the sidewalk. It's people are going outside to smoke and some 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 of our party smoked. So we're outside and our one of my friends, uh, the girl who was associated with the the poetry reading, is like, you know, she's like doing that thing where your friend is kind of getting your goat and like teasing you about something and then kind of going off for a minute. Yeah. And so I turn and I've got like maybe a few drops of liquid left in my glass and uh-huh. like a couple of ice cubes. And I turn to toss my drink at her. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't hit her because she's fast. She's, you know, she's moved <laughs> oh, through the crowd. No. What I hit is like coming right out of the bar, a like <laughs> couple in their 60s. <laughs> And it's the woman in like a, and she's wearing like a leather jacket. And they, they seem like they're kind of like, they're not, they didn't seem like richy riches, but they they did seem like, oh, we're out for a night and we're having a drink and we're getting out of here. And and I just turned and I did that. (laughs) And it was literally like a few drops and like a couple of ice cubes that like went point, point, like hit the shoulder and fell off. So in my mind... I mean, I, and I recognized that what she saw was my my drunk face going, ah, and I'm like, oh, God. But, like, but like what I did was, I, I remember being kind of like, oh, oh my God. gosh, I'm so sorry. I was trying to hit my friend, and I'm an idiot. Who's <laughs> was trying to throw my drink at my friend. Yeah, I'm trying to throw my drink at my friend. I'm a great person. And, right, I'm a fantastic guy. And then, and bear in mind, my friends are standing here to my right, like the Cackling. people I was talking to. Well, they're not cackling. No. I, I, they're all going, oh, God, John. You know, if, see, of, I, that's the... Yeah, one I'm of them dick. later I said, that was the most antisocial thing I've ever seen you do. And it's like, it's not like me to throw a drink at somebody, oh, but I knew God. it wasn't a drink. It was two ice cubes, and yeah. I thought it was going to hit my friend's back, and she was going to say, fuck you, and it was going to be ha-ha. Yeah. You know? but instead, so then what happens is, I apologize profusely, and I say, I'm really sorry. And there may have even been some action on my friend's part of saying, he's an idiot. You know, like, they may have been yeah. backing me up on that. And then I'm like, what else done? You know, yeah. turn back around, talk to my friends. And they're like, continue to talk to me. And they don't, they're still there. I kind of thought they were like, wait, they were coming out to get their car or something. Yeah. But they're just kind of standing there and they're kind of talking to each other. And my friends are feeling so uncomfortable. <laughs> and I've kind of, at this point, I've You've found, moved on. I found <sighs> peace within yeah. the awkwardness of the moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. these people think I'm a drunk asshole. <laughs> My friends suddenly think, what got into John? And I'm finding, like, in between all that, going, like, I can handle this. You know, like, yeah. this, feels like my, this feels like my place. This feels like the way I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be this oh, guy. God. And then one of my friends eventually said, and this actually wasn't even one of my friends. This was a friend of a friend who was there who had just met me that night. And he said, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't believe we're, we're still standing there. This is the most uncomfortable thing that's ever happened to me in my life. We've got to get away from me. We've got to go away. Oh and I was like, God. yeah, okay, all right. And I still think of that. And it's like, I don't know. I guess the thing would be don't toss a drink. Yeah. But I don't want to be, live in a world where I can't playfully toss a drink at <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I also think... I can't count the number of I don't know what else I should have done. Like, I, I guess you, what do you do? Do you give someone like, like, here's my, here's my credit card information in case you need to get this leather <laughs> yeah. restored? Because I saw it bounce off, you know, yeah. it's down here. It's not like there was, it wasn't like a white Russian and it was if like all a, in her hair or something. A, if you can see a stain happen, <laughs> yeah. then, you know, exchange oh, yeah. some monies yeah. for yeah. whatever it was. But yeah, if it's, 
a couple of ice cubes bouncing off. There's no harm done. Jeez. Yeah, you just apologize, and that's got to be the end of it. Not if you're still standing there yeah, for a few minutes. Think, <laughs> th- a few th- degrees <laughs> turn away from the person. Do you like, think well, they were standing there like, should we confront him further? Like, should we call the authorities? Should we escalate this? Or like, we're waiting. The for impression our cat. I got was that they were like muttering amongst themselves. Yeah, like, what do and, we like, do what, now? What do we do with this man? Yes. Yeah. Do we, you know, do we call our friend the judge and have <laughs> yeah. him crushed or something like that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, like I don't know. But I just remember feeling like, what, okay. Like, did they just leave then? Eventually they left, yeah. And then my friends continued to say that was awkward. And then, like, you know, within a few days later getting the text saying, man, John, that was the most, that was the, <laughs> it was my, it was a friend yeah. who had actually been, had been a manager of mine at a job. So he had, and again, he, I think he thought of me as the sort of person who would never create a moment like that, yeah. you know? And I kind of wanted to be like, oh, this just shows we're friends, but we, we've got so much left to explore because I am a walking, talking, like, awkward moment, you know? <laughs> I hope that you you both reached a little bit of inner peace about some of these matters inside yourself. Or do you think I don't have be... peace about mine? Yeah, <laughs> mine. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I came. I don't to think peace there's a way to spin it where ago. I feel good about myself. <laughs> I See, tried. This is, this is why we we balance each other it. out. Yeah. I'm fine with my embarrassments. I'm not fine You're with not. mine, so that's balanced. So then we're neutral. I was about to say together. I don't know how that helps each <laughs> other. Balance for me. <laughs> I was about to say it doesn't help each other if she won't forgive herself and you yeah. are expert at forgiving yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really help. It's not really a, mu- a mutual benefit. <laughs> All right, well, now I feel terrible. <laughs> so if that was the purpose, thanks. Reactionary? I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to let the drop the veil here. We're, I'm not going to have you pretend that you just heard that segment. Well, okay. I'm actually recording these moments with Ronald before I finished <laughs> editing the actual segment with Jonathan and Becca. So I'll just let you know right now that you can follow Becca and Jonathan. Jonathan's webcomic can be found at thisis65.com. And uh, his Twitter is at John Brack, J-O-N-B-R-A-K. And Becca Weininger can be found at B-E-K-A-H-W-E-I-N-I-N-G-E-R. So Becca Weininger. So I like that. And we'll probably be hearing more from them in a in a later episode, but but for now oh. that's uh that's embarrassment. So back to you, Ronald. Mm-hmm. I've heard the comedians get into comedy to control the way that people laugh at them. Yeah. It's like you think people are gonna laugh at you. Right. And so you wanna be responsible for that. And I was very young when I re- when I caught onto that idea that I would make a joke about myself before other people could make it. I would mm-hmm. try to beat people to it. And so when somebody beats you to it and makes a joke on you that, that is valid, that you didn't predict, if you're a funny <laughs> person, it stings you doubly, yeah. both that they got you and that they beat you to a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, where, how does that relate to you and your comedy? And have you ever found that, you know, being on stage and making jokes, have you ever either embarrassed yourself or humiliated your family or someone oh, in the room man. or made someone uncomfortable in a way that you felt like, oh, that was not called for? Yeah, yeah. Two two things I can think of. Mm-hmm. One, um, I have this joke about my cousin and I that's based on something real that happened where my neighbor used to... Uh, he, we were, this is a pretty cool neighborhood. We were all friends and the older, uh, people used to look over us, mm-hmm. you know, would spank us if we were acting crazy out in the street. That was, you know, it was just one of those neighborhoods. But I had a joke where my cousin and I went to one of my neighbor's houses when I was a kid and I woke up and the next thing I remember is being in my grandmother's house. And I wondered what happened in that period of time. So I kind of hinted at uh, possibly being molested. <laughs> which, which you know, I told this joke in front of my mom. And it was the first time that she had ever heard the story. Period. Yeah. 
But and you the were joke. you were hinting in a joking way at this, just because you were trying to jokingly fill in the gap, or were you I was were jo- you joking about something that is no, still no, confusing no, in your mind? No, you know? yeah. Well, I don't remember what happened, yeah. so like a little of both. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it was a to me, it was my life, so I could joke about it. My mother was there; mm-hmm. she did not like the joke. I embarrassed her, and she was very. I was embarrassed because of it. I was very mm-hmm. embarrassed. So that's one. Yeah. The other. Um, I was, I bombed, like I bombed. I couldn't think of jokes to tell. The next comic comes on stage and says, like he, he's like super quiet and makes a weird face and shrugs his shoulders. And he's like, what the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. He was awful. And he went on this like tirade, which made his set so much better. And I just kind of groveled and I left. Yeah. So sad. Ugh. My impression is that failing and, and sucking is a huge part of developing as it a comedian. is it is but is there still a moment like that where you're the one who most acutely felt that damage or do you think people around you thought "Ooh, he ate it tonight i i ate it that night and and that doesn't that didn't happen very often like yeah. he he kind of said in after his like during his set that i should never do comedy again <laughs> oh, which sucks have but, you done comedy with that guy since yes and i i don't like him oh oh imagine that <laughs> well, yeah he's just kind of an inconsiderate person he's an emotional terrorist which i i think is a real thing emotional terrorism that's a that's a future topic of this show we gotta get to that it's like a real thing <laughs> no i believe it i used to talk about emotional um vampires and social oh, wow. vampires but i think emotional terrorism. emotional is the- terrorism is a a very complicated thing that i talk about pretty often oh you'll be back on that episode oh. <laughs> oh, i'm so happy i i would think doing comedy would be a thing where you're supposed to be you're supposed to be up there and you're supposed to be uh, honest and you're mm-hmm. supposed to be maybe showing a side of yourself that isn't that flattering. Right. So, but you're also not beholden to the idea that it's truth. You, I, I notice when I tell things that are a little more closer yeah. to, to my life, I get a lot more compliments and I just speaking with a little more passion and I sound, I sound boring to me <laughs> talking about stand up. I, but I think it's so interesting. It's, it's, it's a, it's a slight obsession. Mm hmm. It's a slight obsession. Well, what's great if, for you is that you may think you sound boring, but what you've just done is given me another great segue. You keep accidentally segueing perfectly into the next segment. Holy. But the next segment, I was thinking that same question I asked you of like in this profession or this uh, act, you know, this uh, vocation of stand-up that you've begun to get into, mm-hmm. that idea of requiring yourself to kind of reveal some aspect of yourself that might be embarrassing hmm. and to be almost setting yourself up more to be judged. Um, I was thinking of other people I might know that would have some experience with that. And a friend of mine, uh, Jessica Rappas, Sarda, who is a, a parenting blogger, or I guess she just writes a blog. I hate to say it's a parenting blog, but it's called Welcome to the Bundle, and it's at welcometothebundle.blogspot.com, and it's kind of takes the the springboard of being a parenting blog, but obviously she can write about you know any aspect of being a, a woman with a with a young child, and she writes about her home life, and she writes you know very intimately. There's there's talk of musky spanks, and <laughs> there's talk of uh, you know uh, uh, there's a great blog post about calling her father a pervert on the playground when she was a little girl and she didn't know what the word meant. I I was thinking about how embarrassment is a part of that, that like the requirement of that, the reason people would read that blog Mm. would be to see someone be self-effacing and to see someone reveal anything. And and you're counting on that that continuum, that honesty you were talking about. So so yeah, uh, here's a conversation with Jess Raposarda about her blog and, you know, the kind of ripple effect of that, that that can set through your life when when you kind of make a, a, a profession of, uh, of revealing your life. Yeah, it started out as a, a parent humor blog mm-hmm. and 
you know, uh, I, I feel really pretentious saying it's evolved from there, but it has. Um, you know, I, I've written about, you know, my marriage. I've written about... I've written about the unrest in Baltimore. I've written about uh, an amazing um, bout of E. coli that I had. Mm -hmm. So you name it, I've covered it. But my bread and butter, uh, the bread and butter that actually makes me no money, is... parenting humor so yeah mommy blog is fine i mean i would imagine that mommy blog is the same way like when someone describes my band as playing indie music or indie rock it's like okay yeah whatever i mean yeah i'm fine with that because i know they don't mean it in a bad way most of the time but i i I do think i could see why someone would be touchy about mommy blog because it does kind of sound childish childish or vapid or like it's somebody i mean again and this is me perhaps being uh uh Offensive, but like it sounds like somebody, one of those uh, overthinking parents that is that just thinks that what they're doing with their child is so precious and so interesting. But it's like I, I know that that term, even as people use it, it encompasses a wide range of things from people who are going on like a family values bent to people whose whole premise is let's go in the other direction. And I read, you know, the post I've read of yours, you definitely seem to sort of enjoy kind of wallowing in the in the other direction, you know, like. <laughs> Wallowing is a really good um, term to describe my blog. There's a lot of wallowing that happens. And, you know, you're not going to go to my blog to find advice on, like, what, you know, diaper cream to use or anything like that. Um, more than anything... i got to do something about this rash. Well, I'm not going to be the one to be able to help God you. damn it. But if you want to tell me about your rash, I will <laughs> happily write a story about it. Um, I More than anything, I just like to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. And... You know, you have a kid and the kid is sort of an endlessly interesting to me because he's mine. Um, And, you know, the goal is to try and turn something that's obviously interesting to you because he is your child into something that's sort of interesting to the rest of humanity. And by the rest of humanity, I really mostly mean uh, suburban moms. But... Um, if I'm lucky, you know, I, I snag a few dads in there too. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of wallowing that happens. I, I don't know why, but I really like to, uh, out myself as a miserable failure. There's something (laughs) I really enjoy about a good self-flagellation. And in the beginning, there was a lot of that on the blog. Like I devoted one day a week. I called it Flogger Blogger Wednesday, where I would just talk about things I had screwed up. I wrote a whole piece on how I didn't realize my child was choking. It took my, you know, my mom friend to be like, hey, your kid is choking. And I wrote a whole post about it. And, you know, lo and behold, I started to actually feel pretty bad about myself. You know, when you devote one day a week to saying, you know, I'm a pretty crappy person. I think everybody feels like a miserable failure at some point. And when you're parenting, there's something really comforting about hearing about other parents' failures. Because, you know, you think, oh, God, on on an every 10-minute basis, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. So, you know... This is me. I've the kind of sacrificial lamb. Like, hey, other parents, it's okay. There's somebody out there that's screwing it up worse than you are. So, mm. you know, I just didn't want it to turn into the only thing I, I write about. Um, but yeah, I I do enjoy a good wallow from time <laughs> to time, even when I'm not writing about parenting. Usually, there's some sort of angle that's pretty self-deprecating. That seems sort of cliche in humor, but. Right. Yeah, I I still go there. 
Well, I mean, it would be much worse to never go there. I guess if you only go there and it seems like there's never any kind of spine to what you're doing. But again, I don't think that, that I mean, I don't want to oversell it. It's not a miserable blog. Right. It's very funny. No. But I mean, the it's like when I'm reading it, I don't feel sorry for you. I go, I feel like, oh, I, I relate to it. And you were saying you get some dads. I definitely, as a dad, relate to the kind of parenting oh, stuff thanks. you've written. But also just the, the stuff about kind of continuing you know, you're married too, and you've got to be a real spouse. And there are times where I realize, oh, great dad this week, terrible husband, or vice versa, or whatever. And well, you know, nobody, nobody wants to read about somebody's perfect life. Yeah. I mean, that's why everybody hates Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to read about her perfect life. I, I want to read about people's real lives. Yeah. And I think it makes it relatable it gives me something to you know laugh at and when i'm sitting there and i'm writing the story about you know um, how i didn't realize my child was choking um yeah i do feel kind of bad about myself but it also is a great way to put things into perspective you know it's a it's a little like uh therapy oh Mm -hmm. god i hate saying writings like therapy but it is sometimes so (laughs) yeah you know i really don't want to read about people's perfect lives and i really don't give a shit about anybody's advice about good parenting because everybody's got different advice i've got no advice to give did did shelby did your husband agree to this are there untouchable areas of your life that you would not could not should not write about i don't think we've ever had a conversation where we defined the parameters of acceptable writing topics Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm actually more reserved. I don't think I am more reserved than he is. He used to write a blog and have a podcast and do, you know, vlogging. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so if anything, the only difficulty was for him being on the other side of it. Uh, ah, being the subject rather than the, the person subject, kind of right. framing it. Being yeah. the reader and the subject rather than the person, you know, writing it. And so he <laughs> he's an admin on my site. And one day he says to me, and he's going to kill me for saying this. So here I'm about to venture into something that will probably get me into trouble. But he said, oh, I fixed this one quote of mine in there. Like I said X, but, you know, you wrote Y. And I was like, say, say what? You did what? And I'm like, he's like, it wasn't exactly how you said it. I'm like, but it's funnier the way I said it. So I'm adding myself too as somebody that, you know, I will take liberties with Mm -hmm. things. Now, I don't, I'm not making anything up whole cloth. But, you know, the way uh, you're, when you're writing a story, I don't have perfect memory. So I'm cobbling conversations together the best that I can. And I'm, omitting the boring stuff sometimes so he happened to see something and be like that isn't historically accurate i'm gonna go back and fix it i was like under no circumstances should you be doing that and then that's when we had the conversation about how weird it was for him to kind of be on the other side of it i've been trying to convince him for a long time to write something on my blog because Mm -hmm. he's far funnier than i am and also really give me a nice break um but he's a busy guy so we don't have anything that we've said is off limits, but there are things that I, in my own head, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really go there. The other night I was speaking to someone on the phone 
for this same podcast, I was recording another conversation, and this person I was speaking to was a, a podcaster that I know through another person, but I've listened to his podcast. He's not a local person at all. Uh-huh. So there's this little bit of celebrity, you know, is a person right. whose show I've listened to right. and who I like what he does. And I wasn't nervous, but I was like, well, I'm going to have a little help. And so I had myself this same glass of bourbon that I brought uh-huh. down when we sat down. But I was like, well, I don't know how long we're going to be on the phone. So I brought the bottle down here. Uh-huh. And I had two ice cubes in the initial drink and that was that was a healthy drink two ice cubes and a splash of water and a little bit of bourbon i mean you know i'm not endorsing but it sometimes it helps you feel like like i would be sipping coffee if it was the Mm -hmm. first part of the day um and if it were the middle of the day i don't know what i'd be doing i'd just be fidgeting right but um and i didn't realize i I knew there was a point where i was continuing to kind of like i went from finishing that to now it's straight (laughs) bourbon because i didn't bring any more ice down and i was just kind of tossing them back and we talked on the phone longer than i thought we would and i don't i was not slurring or stammering i'm very it, i don't know if this is healthy i'm very good at hiding it jess That's, that <laughs> but, makes me that makes me feel good about whatever the end product of this right, is going yes. to be. no no don't worry no, but i think it went well but when i when i stood up and it's a long way around for me to say that in the middle of the week i was unexpectedly hung over the next day mm-hmm. um and, and I was telling it to a friend of mine, and Nikki happened to be around, and she was like, and I was like, it's been years since I have gotten that drunk, you know, like mm-hmm. as a grown up, you just, you know, your limits, yeah. you're too proud for that. And, I, and then Nikki said, last time you ruined a rug. And and I had to remember what she was talking about. And I was like, I do remember a dashing for the, you know, someplace to throw up kind of moment, right. and I may have hit a, a throw rug or something. But it was like, in that moment, I was thinking like, we haven't discussed whether, like, even though I'm now joking in a self-effacing way right. about myself, it was weird when my spouse stepped in. And I'm only saying spouse because I'm trying to make it universal. But it was weird when my significant other, when the person who knows too much about me and she has access you. to all the dirt, out of this other little thing that I was like, I don't know that I would have mentioned that. Like, even though yeah. I'm in the zone of being confessional. So I know what you mean about, like, taking it and kind of finding it's both in terms of that line you could cross with the spouse, this person, you have technically way too much inside information on. And the other thing is how to frame the story so that we're not talking about a, a pathetic drunk who throws up on a rug and right. ruins things. We're talking about a guy who's actually doing okay because it's every few years before it happens again. You know, we're not talking about weekly. But it's like it changed the framing. It's like now I've got a problem because this happened before. And I think that I am sometimes mortified at what Nikki, the, just the truth she'll tell. And I don't know if that's because I'm more of a liar. I think I'm generally more private. Kind of what you were saying about me more reserved. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. a little bit more private. For someone who's kind of gregarious and likes to talk, I like I reveal exactly the information that I want to reveal. It's m- almost 100% true, as you said, but it's definitely exactly the edges of the story. If there's some vagueness there, that's on purpose. I'm not trying. Right. To, <laughs> I'm not trying I, to give it all away. I think that's. I think that that's a characteristic of a lot of podcasters, bloggers. I we get to be in control of the story. Mm-hmm. I really care about my marriage, and I don't want the blog to seem like a place where I can use him as a tool to get laughs. Right, right. Well, because technically, if you're blogging about your own foibles, right. if it's his foible, technically that's his story to tell. And if it's something we've screwed up together, it's usually open mm-hmm. season. Yeah. You know, like we we decided to drink a rotten bottle of wine. Well, actually, I decided to drink it, even though... <laughs> but it was a shared experience. Anything for your art. Yeah, it was a, it was a great shared experience. So... Um, that was that was my most high-minded title for a blog post since the blog is called Welcome to the Bundle. We named that one Welcome to the Bunghole. Oh, God. It's just like I can just mail my MFA back to the school, but I don't care. 
It was great. We also got love in the time of E. coli. In there. Well, the E. coli, that was a great embarrassing moment in yeah. my marriage because my husband found me passed out in front of the toilet on that one. And um, that was really a story. Not just passed out in front of the toilet, but passed, passed out, out in front of the toilet in the midst of trying to decide which end needed to, right. to be on the toilet. I, yes, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was like... Oh, do I put the trash yeah. can in my lap? I don't know. And then the universe stepped in and was like, neither. And you put your face on the tile. Yeah. So not just passed out in front of the toilet, passed out, butt up, pants down, and <laughs> snoring, as my, my husband uh, told me later. And really, that story was about our marriage because, you know, I'm the kind of person, I, I do not pee with the door open. Mm-hmm. I'm... I, for somebody that has a really high threshold for embarrassment, I'm like, no. Yeah. Do not come near the bathroom when I'm in here. I don't want you to see me putting on deodorant. I want you to think I get up in the morning, you know, fully formed and lovely. So for him to find me this way, it was just... Su- it was... Thank God I was in such agony because otherwise I would have died on the spot of embarrassment. Um, and as it... As it happened, uh, the first thing I screamed at him when I came to was get out. Yeah. Not like call 911. It was like, get out. I don't I- know. I don't know what's happening in or near me. Like, I could be in a pile of my own I know. When you wrote that part, I, I, I have a very similar situation for my own life. And I think that is... Like, even though, even if you're pitiful and you feel like that person could help you, your feeling really is like, please, just like, <laughs> leave me alone in my shame. Just like, let yes. me, like, but but like, please be in within earshot. Like, yes. you know, like, please, I'm glad you're here for me. But, but like, you can't say all that when you're in that moment. So right. you end up saying like, leave me alone. Go away. Save yourself. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he has to come to the hospital with me and the doctors want to discuss you know. Well, I love the way you said it in that blog. You said you had to answer 50 questions about diarrhea. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> While he's sitting there, like, stroking my hand and trying to be, like, the supportive husband, if the tables were turned, I would I would fail mm-hmm. so miserably because I would be laughing the entire time. I get... I, I am a nervous laugher. Yeah. And I would be laughing and he'd be so upset. Oh, God. It, I would really flunk out uh, as a wife. Um but he was a total trooper, and he's really squeamish about needles and stuff like that. So they're like giving me IVs and all kinds of stuff. And I had to go back. I had to go back to the hospital again. Mm. I mean, this was like a, this was one long ugly night that led into a, a long ugly week of me being hopped up on painkillers and all kinds of other fun stuff. Uh, so you know, that was a real. That was like a defining moment of our marriage. Yeah. Right there. People really should read the blog, but um uh it you know, the way it was dawning on him that maybe he was concerned about you. I thought that was another little little subplot that was kinda interesting because a lot of times when it's your spouse, you do have this kind of like go be gross, go throw up, go do what you want right. to do. But then there's another part of you that's like, Oh, this could be something serious and you then if you're me, then you you know, you go to all the serious things it could be and you, you can get very, very worried about this person who you are counting on in a lot of different ways. My husband and I have I mean, we only seem to speak in sarcasm to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, we're constantly um, you know, just taking swipes at each other and it's in a playful way. Yeah. I think he's the funniest person i know i he makes me laugh every day um and i also i come from a family you you've got to have a thick skin in the rapazarda household you know the minute 
they sense weakness, they're going in. It's like, you know, you burp and it's like, oh, my God, you're disgusting. And I mean, my sisters up until we were in like high school would walk behind me at the mall and make farting noises. It's just there's no uh, there's no room for dignity in my family. <laughs> Forget it. So, you know, I'm used to. Um, not having a great deal of sympathy. Yeah. And even though, <laughs> and, and that's okay, that's how I play too. Right. And so suddenly when you start bleeding from your intestines, you're not expecting a great shift in the emotional, you know, weather. Um, and so it was <laughs> really surprising and touching that when I did come to and scream at my husband uh, to get out of the bathroom, he, he looked genuinely alarmed. And when I crawled out of the bathroom and said, okay, we need to go to the hospital. I mean, he was ashen. And mm-hmm. he said, I thought you were dead. And he looked he looked really upset. We talked about it later when I um, was feeling a bit better. And, yeah, he reiterated that, that he, even though he could hear me snoring um, through the bathroom door, and that's when he knew something was wrong, yeah. um, that he was really worried. And I, yeah, it was really touching because, you know, if I'm imagining this through the eyes of, say, you know, like my sis- when my sisters at 15, they'd be like, oh, my God. This is too good. Let's find Jess with her ass in the air passed out in front of the toilet. Mm -hmm. And let's ride this until the day she dies. (laughs) My youngest sister, uh, my youngest sister who's got uh, three kids, she is a nurse and like just such a great mom and such a great source of like mom info for me. But she's also the one that will drop the most inappropriate comments in my blog comments or on my Facebook page. (laughs) Like, you know, uh, the kind of stuff like you were talking about, um, you know, the, oh, you didn't make it to the bathroom that one time you were drunk. You know, my sister will be revealing these deeply personal, always incredibly embarrassing to me uh, moments. But I'm kind of used to it because that's how we grew up. You know, reading your blog, I found myself at some points thinking, as someone who does podcast and, you know, again, works creatively and is fine with telling a story if it's funny, mm-hmm. that I still find that I, like, I would be reading and sometimes impressed with how kind of unvarnished it was. I mean, I guess maybe you, there's a little bit of distancing just in the sense that you're writing, you're, there's there's something very crafted about the writing itself. And, you know, that you're, you're the sentences, there's a lot of jokes. So it's like there there is a process of distillation it's like yeah. it doesn't feel like it's just journal writing it's not like you're just saying oh my god fuck the world or whatever <laughs> but like uh, maybe you have i've never read that book. oh no but i mean i don't sense that much of like boy this is this is a person who's like showing us too much but i was impressed with how kind of revealing and, and the detail you would go into certain <laughs> things you make as a joke where you just go okay that's a joke but that detail came from real life you know yeah and it's like so that's what you're telling me about your family it makes a lot of sense that you would have this sort of there's a safety almost in being that way because whereas I would be worried, I mean, somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm worried about something I'm saying in a casual way to be funny that now that it might be broadcast in some way that it would offend my mom or my sister. Like I've always right. said that I have to wait till my immediate family is dead before I can write my uh. memoir. It's like your sister would just be the one like she would want to beat you to revealing that information. That's a different sort of fear, but it it takes away maybe some of the sting of 
what is my family going to think if I go there? It's like maybe your family is kind of waiting for it. And in fact, if you don't go there, they'll they'll go uh, there for you. I, um, I have been so pleasantly surprised that even in the posts that felt really difficult uh, to put out there because they felt kind of private, mm-hmm. um, that my family's been so supportive. Um, and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to turn the the tables on my sister for a minute. But, you know, there's a there's a certain safety that kind of a comfort almost that comes with knowing that almost nothing is sacred yeah. in my family. I mean, yeah, you're going to get made fun of, but it's also a way to know that you can just be yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, I mean... My 30th birthday, I had just gone through a really tough time in my life. I had been in a long, like a seven-year relationship. I was engaged and it and it ended. And I was just out of grad school. My whole entire career path had to take a detour because this engagement was called off. I mean, I was not in a great place. And my family threw this great like surprise 30th birthday for me. Man, everybody's like throwing back the drinks. And my sister, my youngest sister, has had a few drinks. And she just starts telling, I mean, these are my aunts, uncles. My, I think my grandfather was still alive at the time, so he might have been there. And she, she starts telling the story about the first time she tried to give herself a bikini wax in college. <laughs> and like sitting in the bathtub, like cry laughing through and talking to her roommates through the door, like trying to talk herself through the process because she had apparently poured the wax in one giant glop in her crotch. And I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm pretty stone cold sober at this point. I'm, I'm listening to my sister, like tell my dad and his brothers this story. And I'm like, this is so, this, there's something so <laughs> deeply wrong about this Mm -hmm. there's a difference between razzing somebody because they dumped a a bunch of hot wax on their on their junk you know like to me there's that's almost like maybe it's uncomfortable if you look at it again Mm -hmm. if if you're if someone's picturing their family and trying to tell that to their father they might not want to but it's like there's something inherently funny about that that's different from picking at someone's insecurities or or needling someone about something that again it sounds like with regards to your blog and being a little bit more public with that stuff you just have an innate sense of i would never say anything that would hurt somebody but if it's going to embarrass them a little bit and make people laugh I'm, you know, worst thing you might have to do is change a name or something, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm, it's funny because my family would definitely say I'm the most sensitive one of the bunch. And do you try to beat people to it sometimes? Like, uh, do you try to like, if there's a criticism about you, you want to be the one to make it? You want to be self-effacing so that like, you know what I mean? It's almost like if you trip, you want to be the person to say, oh, look at me before someone else can make fun of you for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of self-preservation in that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, let me turn this into a victory. Um, You know, I I always think of uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure when he bites it on his bike in front of the kids with the, you know, BMX. And Mm -hmm. he's like, you know, I meant to do that. And that's pretty much how I live my life right now. I meant to do that. But my my family thinks I'm the sensitive one. And so sometimes when they've read my blog, they are (laughs) – I've heard from a few of them, oh – you know, you're funny. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I think that's a compliment. Yeah. Um, Don't seem so surprised. But... Yeah. Um, but I I do know there are times when we, you know, as a family, we may have crossed the line and and um, gone from, you know, uh, good-natured ribbing into something that felt a little painful. So I, 
I try to be careful about not crossing that line when I'm writing. And um, for the most part, you know, with my family, it's it's all pretty good natured. I, you know, when my sister was telling that story, I was just I was completely aghast that she was doing this. And there's my dad's oldest brother, who's a, you know, pretty conservative guy in some respects and he's red in the face laughing and he actually said the next time we saw him that he had woken up in the middle of the night laughing thinking about this story um and so i owe my family a lot um they there are some things that i won't talk about on the blog about my family but because we sort of have a way of joking about most things i feel freer than most i think freer than most to talk about you know the stupid stuff we've done and we've done a lot of stupid stuff when my husband found me um in front of the toilet yeah it was like momentarily embarrassing but it didn't feel like deep true embarrassment um and there's this one moment that i keep going back to my life and (laughs) so i uh, I had gone to Catholic school up through my freshman year of high school. Um, and my freshman year of high school, I went to a small all-women's school, um, Institute of Notre Dame in downtown Baltimore. And then my family moved. And for the first time in my life, I went to a public school out in the, you know, a rural county in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, oh, boys, 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 boys. I mean, this place was just a sea of girls in field hockey gear and guys in lacrosse gear and man you know i i felt like i was dorothy in the land of oz Mm -hmm. um and i show up for class my first day and i've prepped by you know shining up my doc martens and writing all my favorite band names on my backpack with white out because it's like you know that's like the high school calling card i guess yes And I had this moment that was like an out-of-body experience. I see this guy in the room, and he was the most beautiful guy I'd ever seen. Like, so waspy, blonde hair that swooped across his face. And um, I don't remember his name, but it was something really ridiculous with, like, a a Vander in the last name. And Was it James Vanderbeek? No, it was, like, Lance... Vander Fancy or something. <laughs> Let's just say for, for the sake of argument, for it was Lan- Lance Vander Fancy, Lance, the fourth. So Lance Vander Fancy's sitting there looking absolutely beautiful. And I, I don't know. This is very unlike me. I'm like, I'm going to sit down next to him. I'm usually so, so incredibly anxious in social situations. Mm-hmm. But I march right over and I sit down next to him. And I don't know how we struck up conversation. Maybe it was just like, hey, I'm new um, here and we should like talk. Except I wouldn't have had a weird Valley Girl accent. I would have had a Baltimore accent. So I've been like, hey, I just moved here from Baltimore. Um, which is a total boner deflating accent if ever there was one. <laughs> and we probably started talking about bands because I had written all these band names all over mm-hmm. my book, my backpack, and he mentioned Nine Inch Nails. And I was so thrilled because I had put my Nine Inch Nails cassette tape in the front of the bag. And I go to whip out the tape as proof of how cool I am. And attached to the tape was a giant maxi pad. <laughs> and this is like... You know, the early 90s. So this thing is like the size of an infant diaper. And it un... Was this pre-wings? 
Yeah, this was pre-wings. Um. It like unflaps. It like opens up like a bird of prey and flies across the room. Oh, man. <laughs> so I get up. I got my backpack. I walk over. I grab the maxi pad. I sat down at another desk. I said nothing. I moved and never spoke to the guy again. No, really. <laughs> no explanation needed. Didn't look back. I just got up and I moved. And it was like... It was a sort of a moment of like, well, this is over. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I tried that. And I think it was... It's has stayed with me. Like, I still laugh, nervous laugh when I think about it because... I tried. I put myself out there and failed so miserably. And um, when I was thinking about this story, I was like, God, that's just like blogging. Except now I stick around to see what people say yes. when the maxi pet goes flying across the room. That hasn't made it onto the blog yet. No, <laughs> no. And I hadn't thought about it in so long until, you know, you and I chatted online the other day. So, uh, Am I going to see a blog post next week that's like, uh, a creepy guy asked me to talk into a microphone in his basement. You won't believe what happens next. Um, my husband's words when I said, hey, I'm going to be on this podcast is like, and I'm going to go to Baltimore. And I haven't seen John in a long time, but he's got it all set up in his basement. He's like, so you're going to go to a guy's house who lives many miles away and sit in his basement. He's like, that doesn't sound terrifying. So possibly. I will yes. say I do admire your bravery. <laughs> possibly, yes, there will be a post about it. Ab- possibly, definitely. <laughs> there will be a post about it. It'll be about how guys hanging out with recording equipment in their basements aren't creepy at all, right? Actually, I have been working trying to work on a post about like having male friends. So many people make a big deal about it. So maybe I'll fold this in there somehow let people know that not every guy that invites you to his basement to quote unquote podcast <laughs> has an ulterior motive it's so funny i do so many things that are disreputable like that where it's like if i add another one to the list it's like so what are you doing now well, i'm podcasting from my basement what else well i'm in a band what else well i'm writing short horror stories yeah, also, which which of those is the fallback you know yeah i am gonna start my own pinup girl photography business <laughs> yeah, right. anybody want any boudoir shots that kind of thing. I think, yeah, that could be your next step. Here's what I'll tell you. I'll set you up. Okay. We had a thoughtful conversation. Jess said some funny things. She said some uh, touching things. I asked some incredibly astute questions, and it was amazing. Wow. Wow. She... Oh, goodness. <laughs> right? <laughs> She's really something, isn't she? She's something. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Now I should be embarrassed that I don't have a good, you know, bit of verbiage here for the end of the show. But I think we've heard our segments. You and I have had a little conversation about about uh, embarrassment. And I think it's kind of the end of the show. It was going through my mind, how do you end a show when the topics are just kind of whatever? So I was like, how do you come up with a good sign-off for a podcast? You need something that says, this podcast is over. And then a light bulb just turned on over my head, Ronald, because I realized this podcast is over is a great uh, sign-off for a podcast. And I'm, I'm right now, here I am, I'm bequeathing to you. I want you on For Your Infotainment, the new podcast, okay. on the Second Course Media Podcast Network. I want you to help me decide when the episode is over every week. Do you think you're up to the challenge? I think so. So when you step in, just say, this podcast is over. Okay. I like that. I mean, sometimes I might ask you, sometimes I might prompt you, but other times I'm counting on you to be the one to save our listener. Because, you know, listeners have other things to do. They yeah. even have other podcasts to listen to. Well, I mean, in this case, 
This podcast is over. Wait, no, that's too soon. <laughs> oh, God. Not <laughs> too now. Soon. Only because I feel like I should let some people know, because I went to the trouble to get the Gmail and the uh, Holy. and the Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Infotazement. That's I-N-F-O-T-A-Z-E-M-E-N-T. And you can also uh, email me at infotasement at gmail.com. And I suppose we should direct people, since it's you and I talking to each other, to movieshmovie.net still. Yes, are, absolutely. are we .com yet? Or we, we will be, okay. surely. Movieshmovie.net, but soon.com. And the sky's mm. the limit when you've got guys as sparklingly witty yeah. as us. <laughs> we have an Instagram and a Twitter. Yeah. All of those are kind of building, man. Yeah. We're working on We're it. We're working on it. We're working on it. All right. This podcast is over.